Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz on this November the 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2022. Boy, we're almost near Christmas, Pastor Reimnitz. Oh, it is. In another month, we'll be celebrating Advent. Yes, in fact, I got a call from our secretary at one church indicating that she's going to be out of town, and so I need to get together the Advent services ahead of time. Uh, Did you always have a theme for Advent? Uh, Some churches I did. Some churches forego Advent, the Wednesday Advent services. So... But it uh, generally ran two ways, the coming of Christ into the world as our Savior or the second coming of Christ into the world. Yes, Advent, which means coming, uh, refers to his coming, of course, first of all, in the Bethlehem stable, then his coming into your heart at conversion, and then is coming on Judgment Day. So there's quite a bit you can do with that, and we'll be taking a look and getting ready for the Advent services. But today, we're going to have to talk about Generation Z. Is that how you pronounce it, or is it Z? Z, as far as I know. Yes. Boy, They are so divided in generations. Generation Z is really people who are age 13 to 24. And the article you found, uh, the email we received, is that they are more close-minded than parents, grandparents, and are considered to be young progressives. So this is something the church needs to regard. In fact, here's what it says. Generation Z is less open-minded and more intolerant than older generations, according to a recently released study by the left-leaning British media outlet Channel 4. They were more likely to believe that people should be canceled for their views and held less acceptance of different opinions than older generations. How do you understand that, that they believe some people should be canceled? Well, the first, not, not by murder, but by, by uh uh, freedom of speech, that they not be allowed to speak their value and it's something that we see going on in in uh, our American society today, too, as well. Yes, at the universities, conservative individuals are booed down and noises made, so it's very difficult. This study went over 1,500 people and it divided people aged 13 to 24, and then people older 
than 25. Now, Channel 4 Chief Executive Alex Mahone, what did he note in a speech on Tuesday? Well, that the study documented the rise of what he described a illiberal progressive. I've never heard of that. The Yips, young illiberal progressive called Yips. Yes, Yips, Y-I-P-S. These are progressive people, that means they're liberal, in that they support the freedoms won by earlier generations who changed social attitudes toward issues such as sexuality and equality. Indeed, they're significantly more progressive than their parents and even than millennials on some issues. And millennials is the next group up from their age. But this is a big thing. You know, uh, the young people said to me, less liberal because they are less tolerant of the views of others than their parents and grandparents. Surely a novelty. I mean, what, what's new about that, about a younger generation, you know, taking on the older generation in terms of views? Yes. In fact, it was noted that a quarter of Generation Z say they have very little tolerance for people with beliefs that they disagree with. Now, they don't believe in unrestrained free speech, with nearly half agreeing that some people deserve to be canceled. And that was your point, that, no, you can't have free speech. And look what's happening. You, you can't say certain words anymore. Uh, you can't, you know, if somebody wants to use different pronouns, I just heard about that this morning on the news that in the military they're trying to decide how they should address their troops with what pronouns. How can they be so confused? I mean, if I, the, I, I think the problem comes about, I, I wouldn't be very confident if I had a, a woman soldier beside me in war because you know, this is really not the task for, for women. You know, I read a, a, a Marxist document back in the late 50s that talked about doing that very thing to our society, the pronouns, the gay movement, uh, various sorts of things that we're running into today. And uh, you have to wonder how much of that's involved in, in the whole process. Yes. Yeah, it's really kind of taken over this country and others. Because when people talk about equality, like between the sexes, what they're saying is that women should have all the abilities and the rights and the privileges that men have and vice versa. And that shows they don't understand the difference between male and female. And it's important to realize that that has led to some people thinking, well, two males can get married. 
or two females can get married, which is not the will of God at all. Right. And that's, uh, by the way, creating a a conflict in the United Methodist Conference or church worldwide. They're starting to uh, split over that issue. Now, do you have any information on that? (laughs) It's all over the Internet. the, the key day to remember was back in February of 2019, and that's when they reaffirmed the traditional values of the Book of uh, Disciplines at, at uh, United Methodist Church. And what three key issues were they reaffirming? Homosexuality is a sin. It bars ordination of non-celibate homosexuals. Uh, and uh, prohibits the blessing of, of same-sex marriages. And the traditional values were upheld by about 51%, and they were to re-meet in 2022 uh, or 2020 because uh, of a general conference, because that was a young, that was just a uh, special conference of 2019. Well, in the ma- meantime, which we all know, we got, pandemic so the 2020 conference was delayed to 2022 and as we know in 2022 which it is now nothing happened they postponed it to 2024 and in the meantime um, conservative Methodist churches in America have have been uh, splitting off from uh, from the United Methodist Church I look at it as about 400, 500 churches so so far looking at leaving. And that's because of the liberal attitude on the part of the Methodist church. Yeah. There's, oddly enough, there's a liberation Methodist connection group, too, that's leaving, and leaving the Methodist church. They don't think that they're quite liberal enough. Yes, that's kind of happening in a lot of denominations. Uh, Fortunately, we're members of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and our leadership does take action against both pastors and congregations that are no longer tolerant of biblical teaching. And so that's good that that is being disrupted to some degree, but it's going to be difficult to get Generation Z, for example, uh, to believe what the Bible says again because of their intolerant attitude. Can it be that they were never catechized properly? Oh. Part of the problem is a lot of churches don't even hardly have Sunday schools anymore because there are so few children. And part of that reason is because, and this article points that out, is there is a paradox between the confusing online world that they have. And it is either what they want for themselves or what we want for them. And so the online world has really caused tension for these young people. 
And we can understand that. What What is meant by the online world? <laughs> First thing that comes to mind is the, the Internet, via the computer or, or the cell phone. And uh, I, I see that as parents not monitoring when they were in their younger days. And so they get these these various views and these views seem to be to seem to be okay when in fact uh, as we know uh, lead to greater sin yes 50% of those who are over 25 years old believe that social media was a top cause of stress but only 35% of generation z respondents agreed with that and and mm. so generation z is much more tolerant with the social media and in social media you have people saying all kinds of things because they are not really letting themselves be known as to who they really are and they would say things and write things that they wouldn't do in person Right. Well, and another thing is, I remember from my college days in the history classes that I used to take, uh, history papers that we had to write for, for the classes that, that we were involved in, always stress, number one, is know your sources. Are they credible sources? Are they historical forces? Or are we getting opinions? And we're not getting that today with the social media that oftentimes we're, there's no background checking, so to speak, of who's bringing these articles forward. Yes. In a 2021 survey of 1,000 adults, 72% of respondents believed that cancel culture has gotten out of control. And that is kind of obvious. When, when it comes to these young people, that they have schools, public schools, that are really out of control. In, in fact, it's really hard for a Christian to send his child to a public school in Illinois now because they are taught that what is against the Bible is untrue. And therefore, they're taught that abortion is okay, homosexuality is okay, gay marriage is okay, and other such things that the Bible disagrees with. And no wonder then Generation Z has such a low opinion of biblical knowledge. Well, how do we, I guess the question comes up, how do we make the change back the other direction? What can we do as God's people to, to fight this? There's only one thing that can make the change, and that's hearing the word of God. And so one of the things that we on KFUO are doing quite a bit is kind of recommending that parents read to their children Luther's small catechism, teach them songs, uh, hymns uh, that are really good to give them that understanding of who God is 
and what his will is and allow the Holy Spirit to do its work. You know, uh, towards uh, when I served one of the vacancies here about three or four years ago, they had a very limited Sunday school, and they asked how we could strengthen it. And I, I would hand out to the, the new adult confirmands CPH's uh, book on 120 Bible stories and say, read this to your kids, which would bring them up to speed uh, very early with the, the stories of the Bible and also strengthen the families along with the small catechism. Yes, I purchased a whole number of those books and gave it to people in adult instruction. I had a college graduate. I was talking about David and Bathsheba, and he asked the question, who were they? In other words, uh-huh. he was unaware of it. And you know what I said to him? I said, haven't you even seen the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a number of years ago they had that movie. <laughs> but the fact is, is that basic historical knowledge of the Bible is missing. And, and so right. they're totally unprepared for teachings that are in the public school, like evolution and things like that. And, and they take them to be true when in reality they're figments of the devil's imagination. And I think some of these churches are doomed for failure. And one website that I talked about is that the, that I saw said that uh, the Reform, the uh, United Methodist Church, those are conservatives that are leaving, are doomed for failure in the future anyway. And uh, their number one reason for giving is they didn't follow the Word of God. And they cited examples such as women's ordination and uh, such such items as that. Yes. Yeah, I was just watching a, a YouTube thing. Midsummer Murders is something I like watching. Uh, there's always so many murders in Midsummer. <laughs> And then you try and figure out who the murderer is. But they had a a woman vicar, and she was part of the problem. And her teaching was, of course, contrary to Scripture also. The very fact that she's a woman and thinks that she can be clergy shows that she's contrary to Scripture, because the Bible makes it clear that that office should only be held by males. And, of course, that's what Generation Z is really against, that kind of thinking. And that's why congregations need to be affiliated more with their youth in working with them in projects. Did you ever do much with what was called the Old Walther League? That was going out when I was coming in, you know, but, uh, yeah, I remember the old Walter League. My, my most vivid memory is uh, when my grandfather was a pastor out in rural Nebraska. Uh, on a Sunday evening, he would have to go over and spend time with the youth on Walter League. 
and his grandkids would would watch out of the window as he as he engaged with the uh, Walter League, and we thought, man, are those guys ever lucky? They got to play with Grandpa. Yes, there was a lot of, shall we say, joining of adults with the Walter League. The Walter League was for teenagers, etc. And then there were projects we would do. In fact, part of that Walter Lee tradition is carried on when we have these youth conferences that we have in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Do you recall how many people, how many young people attended the last one? I think in the neighborhood of 22,000. I've been to them where they've had upwards of 32,000. Yes. All these young people in the same location. And not only did they hear the word of God, but they also did projects like in the city. The city would give them places that maybe they could help people in cleaning up the neighborhood or distributing food or this sort of thing. And it gives a real sense of what God desires us to do. Remember, the two parts of the catechism of the commandments, the one is you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul. But the second one is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the first one justifies you. The second one is part of your life of sanctification. Make that distinction between justification and sanctification. Sanctification being the holy living? Yes, after you've been totally saved. And it's a kind of a thanksgiving to God for all that he has done for us. And that yeah, comes I, through in a worship service. Right. And uh, I think that's something, as you described it, that's how we engage culture or engage our society and not cancel it out, but engage it in, in good works, you know, out of re, re, respect for the salvation that Christ has won for us and a sharing of the good news. For a Thanksgiving sermon, I occasionally would ask people in the pews to think of what they would be thankful to God for. And many of them are thankful for possessions they own or for good families or for jobs, for nice houses, etc. But what is the most important thing that <laughs> one should be thankful for? The, the life that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we are, as we believe in his promises, he forgives all our sins and grants to us salvation. Yes. And that's kind of interesting to do that with confirmands. Ask them, write down three things for which you are thankful. And it sometimes is a surprise to me that nobody writes down things of a spiritual nature. But they're thankful well, they for the food, etc. One church I served, I could have taught them just about anything in catechism, which, of course, you know, I taught Luther's. But 
they wanted to make sure that there was a way that they were able to confess their, their faith in the promises of the gospel. They, they wanted to make sure that those children uh, believed in, in salvation by grace through faith. Because that's what Ephesians says. We're saved by grace, through faith, non account of our works, lest anyone should think they can boast about their works as though their works saved them. Works are a response to being totally saved. And I had a sermon recently, and the question I asked, <clears throat> can anybody do a good work? And the answer was no. Only Christians can do good works from the point of view of God. You may think you're doing a good work outwardly, but God is also looking at your motivation. And a good work needs to be done, motivated by your love for Jesus Christ, inspired by the Holy Spirit, which you have received at baptism or at your conversion. And that's a message that is really clear throughout the Bible. And that is something that when I look at and why we are so much different as Lutherans is that our clergy and our churches uh, hold to those four souls that we talked about a week ago, Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone. Yes, yeah, sola is the Latin word alone. for only or alone. Oh, yeah. And that was what the Reformation was about, not about purgatory or praying to Mary, or these kinds of things, which are not found in the Bible. And that's what the first thing a pastor needs to do. Every one of my sermons, I try and tell them something they don't know. And then I always end the sermon on a note of comfort on the basis of what they have now realized. And that's why it's a lot of fun in getting the sermon ready because it helps them to understand Scripture better. And it's all about the law and the gospel. That's really correct. The law and the gospel is the key to understanding God's holy word. The law is his will, which we're unable to do. The gospel is God's work that does what we're unable to do and saves us. Well, thanks so very much. If you have any questions, you can email us. Tomorrow is Email Friday. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. 
We are the messenger of good news worldwide KFUO.